On one, it's Doctor Who, and the burning question, will Ace remember the golden rule? Never try and bluff a Cyberman. Just run! <laughs> Coming up in this episode, it's our cyber special, the early 80s into the mid-80s. Ooh, who'd have thought that? Still here. All that and more in this exciting episode of Doctor Who, a complete menagerie, almost. Okay. 25 years since he died. Really? Mm. Where's time go? Anyway, so... Yes, I have a line. Um, it's... It's a bit of a sort of plucked out of the ether, but it's it's oh, here. Yes. Okay. Line is as follows. All right, I won't stop you, but don't involve me or my daughter. Is it Edge of Darkness? <laughs> no, it was Doctor Who. Oh, okay. So it's not Bob Peck talking. It's about a, it's a clue. It's a line that you hear twice. Don't involve me or my. Okay, so is it in a cliffhanger Ooh. and a reprise? No, no, okay. no, no. Is it is it Anthony Ainley as Tremas? No, 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 no. Mm. Oh, don't involve me or my daughter. Who has a daughter in Doctor Who? Is it is it a McCoy? No. Hmm. Who, who has a uh, who, who's saying it? I have. A, it sounds like a male saying it. It sounds like a it masculine. Is a male. Yes. Uh, so I, I'm not. I'm getting a father rather than a, a mother. Um, my daughter. That's weird. Is it Mel Gibson? Give me back my son. <laughs> it's a line. No, it's a line that's recorded and played back to the person who said it later on in the episode. Good grief! I should know this then. Mm. Not trial. No, it's not trial of time. Lord. It's no, it isn't. But it's that kind of era. Oh, time lash. Correct. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> it's Neil Hallett as oh. Malin Rennis. Ah, oh, goodness to me. Cross. Yes, I can hear it now. <laughs> yes, I, I, can, I, can, I can hear it in my mind's eye. <laughs> Sounds not impressed. It's not one I revisit very often, I have to say. It's got Darrow in it! <laughs> I know, but even so, I only fast forward to Darrow. Yeah. <laughs> He always opens our uh, time lashes, isn't he, on this uh, podcast? Yes, he does, and uh, that's about where we're going to go. We're going straight into the time lash as ah. we discuss the remainder, or should I say the fag end, of Cybermen <laughs> stories in the 1980s. Here we go. Oh, but it's all arranged. Megan and I have important things to discuss. Yes, Doctor. It's nice to be in here. It's always nice to be back. It was quite intense last last episode mm. as we were just focusing on Earthshock and now we've got a bit of a wider view. Well, there's a lot to say about Before we actually get into some proper cyber stories, mm. let's just talk about five doctors, guys, okay? Yeah, that counts. Uh, see, they're pretty substantial in yeah. this story, aren't they? Mm. Get the impression that Eric Sawad was a big cyber fan. Mm. You get one Dalek, but you get Upteen numbers of Cybermen throughout the story. What and the Dalek's th- only in it for about a minute. It's, it's, it's only a sop, isn't it? A token Dalek. gesture. Yeah. Mm. But the Cybermen are cannon fodder, aren't they? Really? That's how David Banks described it. Mm. When we spoke to him. He said, "Yeah, we're pretty much just cannon fodder in that." Mm. Five Doctors is my earliest Doctor Who memory. Yeah. Which part of the story was your earliest memory? Do you know? I remember the bit where 
I remember, I remember so much of John Pertwee. I remember when he was captured in Bessie, when the uh, the Great Balls of Fire line mm, and then yeah. the triangle coming down and getting him. And I also remember John Pertwee with um, Sarah Jane Smith trying to get over the ravine, you know, where he throws the lasso and, the, and they go across the Dark Tower. I recall that. Mm. The Black Tower. The, Isn't that cheap wine from the 1980s? <laughs> <laughs> there is a Black Tower. Black Tower, the brilliantly distinct white wine, light, soft, with a golden burst of flavor from a happy mingling of grape and earth and sun. Black Tower, the imported white wine in the towering black bottle. Because the taste's so impressive, the bottle had to be too. Black Tower, the white wine in the black bottle. Still buy it, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Black Tower. Yeah. I remember the chessboard sort of pieces, esque pieces. I remember yeah. Peter Davidson's uh, doctor standing with his arm out like that. Yeah. Did they have a Cyberman piece? I don't recall there being a Cyberman. No. Although they are playing the game, though, aren't they? The game of Arasolo. Play the game. Everybody play the game. Of Rassilon. <laughs> Obviously inspired game. Yes, I think you know. <laughs> Almost certainly. Don't play hard to guess. <laughs> yeah, it's 1983. It's 83. Yeah. It's the 20th anniversary special. It is, yeah. Children in Need. Yes. Yeah. Terry Wogan. I think what's important about Remember this him? is, I don't know if it was Dead. a purposeful decision, but uh, that they, they re- Oh, they, they brought together Pertwee yeah. and the Cybermen. Mm. And I think that was probably I conscious. Think, I, I think that would have been. Yeah. To make sure that he had it on the list. Mm. In the same way that they brought the Brigadier and, and Colin Baker together in... Yes, Dimensions on Time. Indeed, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, a, just a tick a box. Yeah, yes. The box was ticked, they, they did yeah. cross over. And Pertwee seems very comfortable uh, returning back to the show. On occasion, yeah, yeah. this laden. Yeah, it's like he'd never been away. It's, yeah. like, it's less than a decade after he left, isn't it? Yeah, mm. he's aged considerably. Uh, yes, but yes, he's, he's fantastic. He could have held the story on his own. It's oh like, yes, could yes. have been brilliant yes. easily. Yeah, yeah. great. Uh, as Pat actually. I mean, yes. he's, he's looking a little bit shaky by then, isn't he, Pat? Yes, yeah. um, in, the, in the old way, especially in the co- in those scenes in the cold where he's with Nick Courtney in the the Welsh countryside. It's brutal though. It's, it's mm. misty and. Freezing, and uh, I, I remember reading somewhere that uh, the cast of Earthshot, the cyber cyber crew, thought this is a great costume. We're bloody hot with these lovely boots, but imagine if we ever got to do another one on location, we'd be toasty warm. Mm. And apparently, they changed the boots for this story into oh. these kind of like very lightweight. Oh. Um, I think chemical, uh, I think forensic boots that people wear when they walk into a forensic oh, right. environment. So they're very lightweight. Oh, right. And they let in all the water. Oh, David Banks word. is most gutted. The, the, yeah. <laughs> it's like Tesco bags around his wet socks. <laughs> to stave off the trench foot by the end of filming. Yeah. So they all look pretty grumpy when they're walking around. But so did yeah. they ever have Doc Martin sprayed silver? I seem to remember that they, they did oh, it That's a bit later. But later. That's oh, later, right. yeah. They, they, they made sure they had more comfortable footwear because yeah. they're very flat-footed when they're walking around. But... Uh, Yes, we see the Cybermen in this pretty extensively. What do we think of I mean, this, apart from being fodder? Do, do, do they contribute to the story in a, in a There's good There's about way? three different groups, aren't there? Yeah. I mean, they three different leaders. Yes, all played by David Banks, of yes. course. But they go off in different directions. Mm. Yeah. So they're, they're, they get a hell of a lot of screen time. It's what solidifies my theory for me, that the Cyber Leader is a personality which is installed into a Cyberman. Mm. Interesting. Um, 
the leader must have these personality traits in order to be a good leader. Yes, because David Banks, as the cyber leader, is killed off in Earthshock. Mm-hmm. That's definitive. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. yeah. But then there's three more versions of the David Banks cyber leader in the Five Doctors. Yeah. 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 And then so it's obviously the not the same ones. It's not, but it's obviously the same personality traits mm. and the same lieutenant or lieutenant, depending mm. on what you want to call it. Lieutenant. We're British. <laughs> <laughs> Get it right. <laughs> so there's a, a production line of, of David Banks's then? Yes. Yeah. With, with black handles coming out. They're all coming out. They're yes, Dapple made, made them. Yeah. <laughs> the old lady painted the, the small side. heads. <laughs> tiny, tiny hands. <laughs> that was a reference to the situation comedy, uh, a sketch show. Uh, absolutely. absolutely, yes. Mm. Lully. 1993. Absolutely lully. Yes, lully, woman, but face like an arsehole. Face like an arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> Margaret Rutherford. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm about the age that um, Timothy Dalton was when he was cast as Bond. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Charlie, you'd be sort of mid-Roger Moore era, wouldn't you? Mm. Yes, I, I tend to sort of um, gauge my life and progress through life on, mm. on Bond and Who, yes. and Jethro Tull, yeah. what album they were doing when, yes, I, when, that's it. when they were at my that's age. It. Yes. And it's actually quite quite depressing. Yeah, it makes you feel terribly inadequate. The careers were finished by the 46. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm I'm the age that David Banks was when he was in Earthshock, so I'm at the beginning of my cyber Ah, career. That's nice. So, So, round about the age that Daniel Craig was when he was cast as Bond. Correct. Yeah. 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 That's the thing I actually meant to mention, is that do do we think that the cyber leader particularly um, benefits from being played by a younger man? It's definitely a younger performance because he's very thin, he's, he's rakish. Um, Snake hips. Yeah, he, he is though, isn't he? It's yeah. like a dancer, like we say. You couldn't, yeah. a, a middle aged, podgy man couldn't well, play Well, I mean, it becomes problematic later, doesn't it? In the Attack of the Cyber Absolutely. The cyber controller. Kilgar. Yeah, that's the fat a big, big issue. Mm. They all are played by very young men, aren't they? The cyber. Well, Kilgariff was asked back. Just because he was Killer Gareth, it's kind of a, a guest performance. Oh yes, even though he was in a big a sock to the fans, a big bin liner costume. And, you know, oh god, that's a good see, description. Didn't see his head, <laughs> didn't see his face rather. Before we get to attack, uh, we'll just close off the Five Doctors. Yes, I think one thing about the Five Doctors is it probably does have the best action sequence that the Cybermen have ever been featured in. Even though they oh, are completely yes, obliterated, yes, absolutely. Which J and T shot himself, didn't he? Which is absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, it's the right. best bit in it. He must have had a very good film cameraman who was taking very much the creative lead on that, whereas John was assisting. I should imagine it's great, but it's great in an Eric Sawad mm. style. Mm. So it's J and T channeling Eric, I think, right. just action packed. Yeah. You know, a, a set piece looking fantastic and just wowing. The children, or given yes. the, the young lads who are watching what they want, which is like a cyber massacre. But it's very much kind of what is the, the show is critiqued for in, in later years. It's kind of like there's no kind of morality to it. It's just like a it's like a, it's like a an action packed set piece, and, and that is what this story I think needed. Mm. Had it been another story, it would have been padding, surely. Well, there's no there's no plot 
to this part, this point of the story. Well, there isn't sort of necessarily with the Cybermen in it. Um, I mean, we talked on previous podcasts about uh, whether or not something reflects well on the cyber brand. I seem to remember you, Sam, saying yeah. about Revenge of the Cybermen. Yeah. You know, there are good bits of the story, but does it reflect well on the cyber brand? And I think when they brought them back so strongly with Earthshock, that, um, you know, as David Banks says in uh, The Five Doctors, they are essentially just cannon fodder. And then they, be, they end up being, one faction gets outwitted by Anthony Amy's master, and he's mm. just massacred on a chessboard. Yeah. yeah, and it's a very quick death again for the cyber leader. It's just one mm. shot, and it's just like, he would have walked into that. I don't, the, the, the cyber leader of Earthshock would not have walked into that quite so aimly. Mm. Uh, and uh, it's just like, yeah, they are dumbed down somewhat. They do seem rather stupid in this. And there's, is there a cyber cyber lieutenant or lieutenant yes. or, that goes, ah, <laughs> I have found the ones from the TARDIS. And it sounds like he's bragging. I have found the ones from TARDIS. <laughs> and the other, the other ones press about with a big bomb, don't they? Trying to blow yeah. up um, yes. Mark Strickson. Yeah, but I mean, the whole point of the Five Doctors, as we've discussed before, is it's just the greatest hits. Yes, yes. So yeah. uh, just a, a collection of, of great scenes. So I mean, nobody comes out of it particularly well. I mean, the First Doctor doesn't. Um, the Daleks don't. No. The Cybermen are there just to, for scenery really, and to support various other elements of the plot going on. Mm-hmm. Maybe Anthony Amy's master comes out of it quite well because he ends up outwitting quite a lot of people, doesn't he? Well, the Rastamoria robot. The Rastamoria the rest of wins Mario the game. A, well, it's, <laughs> it's a set piece essentially. The Rastamoria yeah, robot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the main villain is Barusa, isn't it? <clears throat> <laughs> but it's all everything. Everything else is subsidiary to getting all of the remaining Doctor Who's on screen together at the same time for the finale, for the walk down at the end. Yeah. Well, that should have been the way it was played throughout. We should have had the Doctors together from the from the Ofsky, I think. That was J and T's fear, though, wasn't he? He didn't want to bring them together too soon in case they argued. Uh, but J and T just. But it was magic when they did. You know? oh, he didn't. Well, he, he should have actually tested that with a good party, getting everyone at the party and seeing how that happened. Mm. Get them drunk and get them drunk. Yeah. And if if they'd had just... Tom Baker in it, which uh, they'd hoped to, yeah, it wouldn't have worked. Yes, because yeah. that's likely. Do you remember Sam when we um, we saw Tom Baker uh, at that convention and he was asked about uh, other than yourself, who's your favourite Doctor? And his response was just. Other doctors? Are, are there other doctors? <laughs> he was quite cutting about poor Paul McGann, you know, he said. I think the the role these days is pretty much actor proof, apart from that young lad from Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> God, you're slaughtering your own, Tom. Yeah. Steady yeah. on, old boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think his ego would. I think he knew that, though, which is why he stepped back from it. Mm. His ego wouldn't mm. have tolerated being on screen with other doctors. Yeah, no. and he has now that enigma of never being on screen with another doctor apart yes. from e- yes. thirty dimensions on time. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but it's a cheat, isn't it, with um, the five doctors with the shard eclipse? You know, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a pure cheat. It it is, a but it's fine though. That works very nicely. Oh yes, yeah. He's hardly aged a year, has he? Yeah. <laughs> Looks great. like he did in nineteen seventy-nine. <laughs> <laughs> we really we can't really grade five doctors as a. a, a a story in its own right as a five because I think it's a five star story as a, as a 20th anniversary special but if you were to grade it as a Cyberman story it would be quite unfair because they're, they're in it they don't have much to do they're destroyed that's the end mm. so I don't think we should really grade it I don't think it would be fair but everything is at the service of it being a celebration yes isn't it? yes it's just a spe- it's, 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 it's fluff mm. but I do have some criticisms and I see the beginning of the rot here 
Cybermen. I have, I have issue with this, and it, it's it's superficial, but it's important because Cybermen have, have got a very interesting aesthetic. Mm. Just look at the costumes in Five Doctors, and mm. you'll see something of a slide. And I have a theory here. They're on location, so it was very cold, mm. and I think. I'm pretty sure they made a different costume for David Banks, at least from location. Hmm. He's wearing a different one, and it's just not the same fit as the one in Earthshock, which is rake thin. I mean, yeah. skin tight, uh, which is how it should be. Hmm. In this one, it looks more like a generic suit. It's and baggy. It, and it's baggy. Oh, right. And that really affects the form and the shape of the costume. The interesting thing is poor old Mark Hardy seems to be wearing his own original one. Yeah. And I think... Uh, Canny David Banks is like, No, I didn't wear my cyber thermals. I didn't <laughs> yes. my toast toasties. He's clearly wearing an extra layer of padding to keep himself mm. warm. Mm. But they, they've lost the form. Mm. And of course, we've lost the chin at that mm. point. It's been sprayed over. Yeah. That is a shame, actually. Yes, that's because it. it never came back. Apart from in Silver Nemesis, which we'll touch on oh. in a special way, slightly right. different. But yeah. uh, they instantly look like they've just been rehashed and. Just brought out of mothballs, quickly slapped together mm. and put out in location. And you just about get away with it in mm. Five Doctors because they're part of a larger ensemble. Mm. It's lovely it. to see That's the Cybermen it. on mm. film, mm. on location, yeah. mm. in big scenes. But it, for me, it becomes a really big problem when we get into the next story, Attack of the Cybermen. <laughs> Bong. <laughs> um, Where do you start? Yeah. How on earth do you unpack that? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, who wrote it? Was it Eric Saywood? <laughs> Ian Levine. Ian Levine. Paula Moore. Paula Moore. Yeah. Mm. She's got the credit on it, but Paula Moore was Sawan's girlfriend. Did she ever exist? Is she, is she yeah. known to exist? Does she sign all no, the No, she was his girlfriend. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 But she didn't, didn't lift a pen. It was yeah. just a, a, a non de plume. Right. Very. Right. Uh, Ian Levine was heavily involved in the continuity of it. So it probably helped mm. to create the treatment. The it follows on from lots of things, doesn't it? With the cyber stories and also the character of Lytton from yes. uh, Resurrection of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a diamond heist thing going on, isn't there? And keen eyed viewers would spot Morris Colburn as having previously been. The Dalek agent, mm-hmm. um, and <clears throat> he's trying to—he's persuading these uh, criminals to break into a, a bank with him, and they're going to do this via the sewers uh, surreptitiously. So he leads this crackpot band of um, crims, idiots, uh, along with him, including Brian Glover, who uh, yep. famously played the, uh, the the sports teacher in Kess, uh, wonderfully. And later advertised for Tetley T, didn't he? he was he an did. aw- and he was in Alien 3. Yep. I can only hope we are able to all pull together over the next few days until the rescue team arrives for Lieutenant Ripley. It's here. You got Clemens. Stop this Ravian at once. I'm Stop telling it. you. It's here. Mr. and get that foolish woman back to the infirmary. Fuck! And, and um, who else? From Barnsley. 
Oh, and um, uh, Terry Malloy. Terry Malloy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Terry Malloy, the actual Terry Malloy. Yeah, you get to see his face. Lovely yes. Terry Malloy, playing a lovely character. Yeah, he's, he doesn't have the uh, the paper bag over his head, does he? No. He's, uh, <laughs> he's actually Terry Malloy in this. He's, he's, he, he plays a lovely part, and I think Terry's very good at playing affable, oh, cosy characters. Very avuncular, isn't he? And he's supposed to be playing this kind of like hard, you know, badass that's going to be assisting with uh, this bank robbery. He's an undercover cop. Isn't he's an undercover cop, but you can see that, and that's that's the genius of the casting. He's like, you can see actually, this is a good guy. Surely fit. he's no, a good guy. It doesn't guy. quite fit. Well, do you think that uh, Tarantino saw uh, Attack and made <laughs> Reservoir Dogs? <laughs> 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 obviously, the, the Tim Roth character is Maybe, maybe. Um, well, uh, then, the, uh, I mean. One of the great moments is the Cybermen's reveal, isn't it? When the, uh, a seemingly brick wall slides open to wonderful Malcolm Clark music and terrific lighting, a wonderful direction by Matthew Robinson, mm. and the Cybermen step out. And it's, it's one of those hair standing on the neck moments. Um, so it's the Cybermen are involved. But it turns out that Lytton, i.e., Morris Colburn, i.e., Howard from Howard's Way, um, isn't really. Uh, working for the Cybermen, he's working for the Cryons, uh, who are on the planet Telos. Is yep. that right? And uh, and they're seemingly the good guys because they're played by various Blue Peter presenters and uh, <laughs> fe- female <laughs> comedians. <laughs> My ice cream's ready. How long have we got? Oh, I don't know. And then you get the cream. Oh, it's there. The cream. You get the cream. You'll be good at this, I'm sure. Yes. Now I shake it. Shake it. We're going to put three oh three dollops of ice cream. Is that all I've got? Just yes. Yeah, shake, oh, shake it. Shake it. Shake it. Oh, it's nice. Mr. Taliman, Tali me banana. And you put your. So that's how you know they're the good guys. Yeah. But um, yeah, and Do- Doctor Who is. Is fairly subsidiary to the plot, isn't he? With it being an Eric Sagan script, <laughs> and it, with it being Colin Baker, uh, he doesn't move the plot forward particularly, no. does he? The Doctor, and he even ends up in the second episode, sort of faffing around in a room it's for quite a bit. Reactive, isn't it? Puts mm, him in a room. Very reactive. Uh, I mean, uh, is there anything else to say about the plot? It's not. It's not particularly. Bates and Stratton. Yes. What's that all about? Mm. <laughs> What's a typical? They spend a long time, don't they? Trying to escape. Yeah. But then they want to go back in and cause trouble, don't they, by dressing up as a cyberman? And they're partially cybernized, any? Aren't no, they, they do that to get out of, go through cyber control to get mm. into a mm-hmm. shuttle to. Oh, to yes, that's right. Yeah, mm. and they hook it with Brian Glover, and mm. then they get to the, the door, and they're killed. Yes, so it's pointless. Oh yeah, entirely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, they don't drive the plot forward at no, all. They're no. just nice incidental characters. I think it's a, it's an exploration of the the cybernetic process isn't it it's supposed to explore what happens yes. I think that's a fast, one of the great elements of the story is what happens when it doesn't always work mm. and they're kind of rejects but because they're partially cybernised yeah. they're put to good work and I thought that's quite an interesting idea yeah. especially when you get to see the, the hound Mm. Which is let me see what the let me show you what the Cybermen do to you. Is that Bates handles to stra- with Stratton's when they, when they take it? the yeah. uh, pulls yeah. the glove off mm. yeah. and starts yeah. squeezing mm. Brian Glover's hand? I seem yeah. to remember, and he, he mm. goes down, which is a foreshadowing of what's to happen to Lytton. Mm. Yes, that's a good a bit point. later. There are lovely lines in it as well, aren't there? Um, mm. Yeah, there are some good. He's very angry, moments. isn't he? He's a very angry character. Bates. Yes. Yeah. The actor um, is no longer with us, Keith, um, somebody or other. Um, here we go. Go on. But he had his, his stock in trade was playing thugs, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, he's good. Yeah, it's very good. And that location footage is interesting. It looks bleak 
God, does it look bleak. They've done something. Uh, oh, sorry, Michael Atwell. That's right. Bates. Um, I think he, he, he often reminded me of um, Keith Allen. I think that's why I wanted to say Keith. He had a very similar sort of look to Keith Allen. An angry, mm. aggressive mm. element to him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's very. it's a very violent sequence of scenes, isn't it? With, it's with a very those. violent story, isn't it? Well, it is. It's pure savage. Yeah. Do we think they went too far with this one? Yes, absolutely. Do, in what in what respect? Well, well the, the the gun, the gun to the to the the mouth, for the Cyberman is is an example of a two time telly. You know, this is just not acceptable. Mm. But I loved it. You know, yeah. that's Malloy, isn't it? I was thirteen, fourteen. This is brilliant. Mm. I loved it. You- but it was was it designed for me? Was it aimed at me? Was I the target mm, audience? Right. Probably was. Mm. But those, the parents watching it with us and the kids who were younger than us, mm. it wasn't suitable for them at all. Yeah. I mean, this is the whole malaise of season 22, which is why I thought it was great, because it was all about violence and it was all about the body horror, it was all about mm. the video nasty sort of thing, which was, in many ways, Doctor Who was sort of airing its dirty laundry. Mm. This is what, this is the bad stuff that we do. Mm. And here it is in all its glory, and we'll up the ante, we'll wrap it up to 11 and show you you know what it's all about it's just to try and tempt you in to try and get the people to come and see mm. to be trying to be controversial and this was the start of it I think this, the, 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 he'd done Gentia had done Androzani and that itself was very violent and very dark and very bleak and very nihilistic and it was such a big success mm-hmm. let's do it again let's keep mm-hmm. doing that let's keep bringing it back let's, let's maintain that tone for the entire season and it starts with this so we get Guns to the head, we get, you know, Lytton's hands being crushed. Do you remember that? Yes, very, 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 very vividly. But I watched the whole thing. Were you pleased? Do you think, oh, that looks realistic? Were you? Yeah, I thought it was great. Mm. But you know, I was, I was a male of a certain age. Mm. Mm. Uh, but I, I understand in hindsight that those people who weren't mm. of my mindset would have found it quite off-putting, mm. you know, for a tea time mm. telling. But, um, but it was, it was, it was, it was trying to. Over egg the pudding, so I, I accept that it was too much. The makeup job on uh, Morris Colvin is fantastic as well. That's really well done. When they crush his hands, he's very sweaty in the face, and then when you later see him trussed up, yeah. he looks like a corpse. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty, you know, the makeup's really good, well, it's it, pretty graphic. It is graphic, and we've got Sidemen's heads being knocked off with, with lead piping. You know? mm. That itself is, is, doesn't help cyber, cyber legend. Doctor Who killed that, that vulnerable. Yeah. Well, I thought about this at the time, Charlie, and I thought, well, the only people that do that are the cybernized humans. They're super strong. Yeah. So I, I can fully believe that one Cyberman could rip another Cyberman apart. Yeah, true, you, you know, true. That they've got mm. that. Nobody else can mm. do that. Yeah. So I thought that was okay. Okay. I think that becomes more problematic later. Yes. In terms of them becoming very sensitive uh, oh, yeah. to yeah. any kind of uh, gold that comes near them, yeah. uh, in this I'm quite glad that there, there is no mention of there's no gold at all. Gold there? in this, I think mm. that's a really bad I've idea. Lost that trope for the moment. Mm. Thankfully, mm. because like, if you have, want to have a weakness with the Cybermen, the one sh- thing should be is that if, as long as there's only one Cyberman and fifty humans shooting at it, you stand a chance. Mm. If you start to give a weakness, it's like you can't keep doing this because this is mm. an easy way out of fixing a problem. Mm. Yeah, it's the it, Achilles. Heel, quite literally, it is. Mm. It is, and I think at least with at least with this one, is they're pretty much invulnerable unless you have cyber technology, mm. the gun, or another side man to do your bidding. They're very strong in this. Mm. Um, but what I have massive issue with is 
the condition of the costumes. Right. The Cybermen in particular. Or? The Cybermen in particular. Mm. I really have massive issue. It's like the expense that went into Earthshock of making them look absolutely believable and pristine and, and solid mm. is now they've just become stock costumes from the BBC cupboard. Right. But they would have just recycled them, wouldn't they? Or, or do, do you think that they should have made them bespoke no, fresh. not so much. It's maintenance on them is shocking. Now the costume, they've definitely built new costumes for, uh, for these to mm. swell the numbers. Mm. But they're just like boiler suits with bits stuck on. They're baggy, they're ill-fitting, they're not bespoke to all of the actors. David Banks is wearing a terrible outfit in this one. It doesn't fit him hardly at all. It's, he looks like any other side man in the background. He's, doing, yeah. he's giving a better performance, yeah. but it's not a catered leading man's costume at all. The helmets are bashed to hell. They, mm. they really are tatty. Um, Mark Hardy's is held together with gaffer tape at the edges of sprayed silver. You can see this on, on the DVD. Oh, you'll have to show me later because I've, I've never actually noticed it. It no, doesn't even sit on his head right. Standard. It looks like Sam Payne doing his side. <laughs> it's, it's wobbling <laughs> around. Oh, and it is. It's, it's, like on to one, it's like leaning to one side. It doesn't mm. sit on his head straight, Mark Hardy's. But what about the, the, the cyber controllers, the cherry on the cake? Cyber controller. Like you say, a bin bag. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> And what's the performance all about? Because he's, he's, it's like he's doing something completely different. He's doing a bit of robot dancing. <laughs> Maybe he's been inspired by Theresa May. <laughs> There's a joke that's not going to date. <laughs> when Corbyn's in power. Yeah. Oh, God. Let me understand, then. How much will it cost to provide unmeans-tested childcare for 1.3 million children? Um, it will cost... Um... It would obviously cost a lot to do so, we accept that. I presume you have the figures. Yes, I do. Uh, we'll, it does cost a lot to do it. The point I'm trying to make is that we're making it universal so that we are in a position to make sure that every child gets it and those that can... Um, uh, you don't know it? Um, what you're, you're logging into your iPad here. <laughs> You've announced a major policy and you don't know how much it'll cost? Can I give you the exact figure in a moment? It, is this not exactly the issue with people and the Labour Party, which came up under Gordon Brown, that we cannot trust you with our money? Not at all. All our... You <coughs> don't know the figure. All of our manifesto is, um, is fully costed and examined. And, but uh, you're holding a manifesto, you're flicking through it, you've got an iPad there, you've had a phone call while we're in here, and you, you don't know how much it's going to cost. Can we come back to that in a moment? What, when you've looked at it? Well, up? look, um... My, my, my point is, it's, it's quite troubling. This is a policy you're launching today, Mr Corbyn, and you don't know how much it's going to cost. It hardly inspires the voters. I think what is important for the uh, votes to understand is that if we don't invest in our children and we don't invest in them for the future, then they do less well in primary school, less well in secondary school and less well in the future. But you don't know the cost. <sighs> Again. <laughs> but we, we talked about guest uh, appearances a few episodes ago. Um, and we didn't mention Michael Kilgariff, who is mm. wheeled out, you know, in his late fifties, early sixties, to, to play this part because he was the cyber controller in Two. Yeah, right. Um, that's the only reason he's there. But of course, he's wearing a costume; he can't see his face. So, what is the point? Well, you what is his voice? Point, and he didn't do the voice in Two, so you barely get nothing. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you get, the, you get the name in the credits, you get the name in the radio times, you get an interview in Doctor Who magazine which gives it some cachet. 
but he actually is a problem in this. He should not mm. have been in this because he somewhat ruins the memory of the cyber controller anyway, which was much better realised in Tomb. And also, he takes away any of the power or leadership from David Banks. Yes. Suddenly, David Banks is yeah. second fiddle. And he and doesn't have much to do. David. And he's not playing it. Like um, Kilgariff, that is. Has he played it in Tomb of the Tomb of the Cybermen? It's a different yeah. kind of performance. It's Completely much more jerky different. and mechanical. Yeah. He's like he's... You know, it was almost 20 years later. It's like he'd completely forgotten what he'd done in the, the earlier one. You can't blame him, really. No. It's, it's the equivalent of, of young Mr. Grace from uh, Are You Being Served? Right. It's just the boss in, you know, in the top room at the top, mm. you know, mm. who doesn't know what the hell he's doing. It's just a bit, a bit crap. But, he's, but he is the, you know, that's where the lineage comes from. Yeah. Just, just the, the, the doddery old bloke in the, in, the, in the top office. Did you know, Charles, that all of the principal cast out of Are You Being Served is now dead. Oh, really? They're all dead now. Even Trevor Bannister. What about um, um, Mike? Dead. Mike Thingy from um, Worst of Damage. Wasn't, wasn't he in it? They're all dead. No, I don't think you're right. No, from Are You Being Served, they're all dead. No, no. The principal cast, the main cast. Okay. Do, <laughs> do include the, the, the younger chap who, who comes in later to sort of it was a, a revolving door, wasn't it, for the younger guy? Mm. Oh, right, yeah. It wasn't always Trevor Bannister, was it? No, that's no, right. another chap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trevor Bannister is certainly dead. But out of, out of the main people you'd think of in an average episode, they're all dead. Uh, I beg to differ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst we're still talking about Cybermen <laughs> can I can I add one positive? It's quite exciting. I do like the black Cyberman. Yes, what's that all about? It's, well, he's supposed to be um, someone... Sorry, Mike Berry. Mike Berry. He isn't dead. Yeah, but he was... He has a look of David Banks, doesn't he? He was in a few episodes, though, he wasn't just, he? Doesn't he have a look of David Banks? He was the father in Worsley Gummidge. That's a Doctor the Who father connection. Right. Yeah. I can't see... He replaced Bannisters. Right. Oh, really? So he isn't dead. Right. OK. But the, the, the one that you remember is dead. Strike one! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, very good. He'll be dead soon. Now we've mentioned him on the podcast, he'll die next week. And then I'll be right. Black Cyberman. Mm, What's that all about? Great, great. That comes from, I think that comes from the black stormtroopers in Jedi. Ah, that's interesting. Because that was cool. Yeah. The black stormtroopers, the guys who were driving the Atats. When you saw them in um, Jedi, it was like, wow. That's cool. It's supposed to be one that you don't see in the shadows. You mm. just see the outline. And mm. you think it's quite a clever reveal because you see them stalking around in the dark and then you go to Cyber Control or whatever it is in floodlight conditions. Oh, mm. it literally is matte yeah. black. Yeah. It's, yes, it's matte. Camel- it's, it's matte as well, isn't it's, it? It's a mm. great look. It is a great look. In, mm. uh, so unfortunately, all of the Cybermen, if they look like that, would be pretty cool. It's a nice variation. It is a nice variation. Doctor Who kills it. He does. Well, it's Colin Baker's Doctor. Mm. It's Violent command. Doctor Who. Yeah. Mm. I thought that was a nice, nice detail, but it doesn't compensate for the fact that the controller is very problematic in this. And uh, the, the, the design of the, the tombs is a bit strange as well. Strange is generous. All on, all on one level, aren't they? <laughs> I'd say shit. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, Tomb of the Cybermen, it was like the sort of egg box effect, wasn't yeah. it? A multi-level, and it looked quite dramatic. Yeah. Whereas uh, Attack of the Cybermen, it's, it's quite difficult to know what's um, happening in particular. It's just, it looks more like a prison. Yeah, mm. sort of different rooms. Awful. Why go to the trouble of taking it, writing a script to go back to the tomb of the Cybermen without making any, uh, have any effort towards recapturing the scale or the 
imagery of the original. Mm. And you've got poor old um, Morris Colburn gazing up into the lights of TC4, going, mm. I can see why they call them tombs. It's so mm. desperate, isn't it? It's just, mm. it's just like, God, you can. <laughs> no long shot, not yeah. even a match shot. Trying to demonstrate the scale. They could yeah. have at least tried that, couldn't I, they? I do yeah. remember that the, I was always scared Woeful. of Doctor Who when it aired, and I do remember this one airing, and I can see it now in my mind's eye. That um, lunatic Cyberman breaking <laughs> out and threatening um, yeah. Perry. That scared me as a kid, yeah. that moment. So yeah. that, that was sort of like breaking out of the tombs, wasn't it? So that at least that bit in my six-year-old's mind... Why do they have snot all over them as well? They're covered in mm. green stuff. Because it's obviously rotting from the inside out. Is that what it is? It's nice variation. Again, it's like another sort of type of Cyberman. Mm. Right. If they were doing um, a range of figures, it would be, you know, Cyberman, Cyber Controller, mm. um, um, Camouflage Cyberman yeah. in the, in the uh, sewers, and crazy-ass uh, crazy Cyberman with snot on him. Yeah. Mm. With arms waving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Arms know. waving, inflatable Cyberman. Um... It's weird, though, isn't it? Because uh, they did so much continuity and even threw in, threw in Halley's Comet mm. that was all the rage and in the news at the time. <laughs> but, yeah, th there's a weird sort of continuity on, on Lytton, played by Morris Coleman. And this is not an original thought from me. Um, mm. I think I might have read this in Doctor Who magazine or something, but um, D Doctor Who, as played by Davo, never actually meets Lytton doesn't. in Resurrection of the Daleks. And yet, the end of Attack of the Cybermen is Colin Baker beating himself up for misjudging him. But they've only met on Attack of the Cybermen. Mm -hmm. So that's slightly problematic. And I never actually thought of that for years, but then I read, I had someone else pointed it out, and I was like, oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I had issue with that as well. And also, he's got good rights, even if he's only heard of a name, to have issue with Lytton, because he was mm. an absolute mercenary, bloodthirsty killer. He's literally a mercenary. He is awful, isn't he? Yeah, he, he kills for money. He does. And, and he's only on the side of the crayons. Yeah. For money. Mm. For material gain. It's nice to have a shoulder to cry on. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> <laughs> the crayons, what do we think of the crayons? What do we think of Faith Brown? <laughs> Sorry. I just want to get rid of that. Get on with it, Rusty. Oh, come on with you. Come on, you've already got two <laughs> minutes left, man. Come on. No, get come on. <laughs> no, come on. Anyway, I didn't hear that. Can you see me, viewers? Um, I, you know, I mean, you're talking about the, the cyber costumes looking uh, worse for wear, but I, the crayon costumes are not particularly good, are they? The, the sort of strange goldfish bowl helmets with um, stuffed with uh, frilly reflective um, sheet plastic. They look like Christmas decorations. They, they do. Yeah, yeah, they do. I think uh, I think that Faith Brown gives a, a fair performance. It's quite a sympathetic performance. They do well with their voices, mm. and her death is, is quite sad. Yeah, because the Cybermen know that this this creature will die in a, in temperatures above a certain level, and she's just thrown into a warm room. She's very um, sympathetic in it. Yes, she is, and I mm. think she gives a fair performance. Sarah Green and the other crowns are pretty much interchangeable. I, I can't tell the difference between. Well, them. it's also a, a quite ha quite well handled death. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's quite um, sensitive. Yeah. Mm. But they're all, um, they're sort of a very, they're feminine, whereas the mm. Cybermen are very masculine, I suppose. Yeah. So there's that, there's that dichotomy, I suppose, that works quite well. Mm -hmm. That they, do, they are very dissimilar in that. They're both quite silver and reflective, but mm. in their traits, the cryons are 
small and more feminine, and the Cybermen are larger and more aggressive, more masculine, mm. uh, in purely stereotypical terms. Well, is it Battle of the Sexes, then, in terms of the, the theme? Could be, but I'm just bullshitting now, because I've never actually thought that before. I mean, it does work, doesn't it? Because they are the Cybermen. Yes. No two ways about it. Mm. Although, I mean, yes, but they, they are quite masculine, aren't they, the Cybermen, inescapably? But they meant sort of Cybermen, as in mankind, mm. as in generic for humankind, you know, the ascent of man or whatever, and uh, uh, man just meant people. Yes, but, but it's, it's male versus female. Yes. In this story. Oh, it is. Yes, yes. I've never really sort of... Unpacked. Is that a comment on <laughs> society? Um, could have been back in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting thought. Mm. Uh, and certainly the, the crowns are much more sympathetic. But they... Yes, and indeed, mm-hmm. and they fight back. Mm. Yeah, they, they, they are quite badass. Mm. I noticed when you uh, published your EF review of Cybermen Stories in Order. Oh, yes. And uh, mm. you, you ranked Attack reasonably high yes. on the list. What, what number was it at? Was it three or four? Yeah. It wasn't in the top three. Yeah. The, top th- the top was um, Tomb of the Cybermen, followed by Earthshock, right. followed by The Invasion. Right. Mm. Um, I've got it on here. Okay. Bear with me a moment. On your tablet. Can we come back to that in a moment? What, when you've looked at it? Well, look, um... You might have to be I don't find it... It's okay. I, I don't find it an easy watch. Um, don't many trust reasons. it. Don't trust it. <laughs> you won't do it. <laughs> the Cybermen. Yeah, I don't... Attack of the Cybermen. I don't find Attack of the Cybermen an easy watch at all. I, for many, many reasons. First of all, it feels cheap. And I know you like the film footage, Charlie, and I'll give you that. The film footage looks great, but you look at the studio stuff, it's badly lit. Compare it to Earthshock, it's very different very different in terms of style and tone and I expected better from Matthew Robinson his work I was going to say it's work directed well his work is better on Resurrection of the Daleks there's no doubt about it but the lighting on this one is wild it's flood lit yeah I put it fourth just just above Revenge always the same isn't it that is also not very well lit Mm. I mean compared to Grimwade's lighting on Earthshot you know Resurrection and Attack it's Mm. it's the the 80s strip Mm. lighting yes and that has a bad impact. Cybermen, you know, they can look potentially very cheap if you overlight them. They end up looking like tinfoil. And in this story, when they are starting to look somewhat threadbare, it just looks tired. I can see why, when Silver Nemesis came round, they had to completely redesign the Cybermen. I think they had no choice, because those costumes would probably been round the Longleat exhibition, <laughs> worn by... <laughs> God knows who, you know, giving out lollies and candy floss to kids. Pip and Jane Baker. <laughs> <laughs> no relation. <coughs> no, I put it fourth. I put Attack of the Cybermen fourth. I would what never was... put it anywhere near that. This is my ranking. Yeah, yeah. Tomb of the Cybermen, Earthshock, The Invasion, Attack of the Cybermen, Revenge of the Cybermen, The Five Doctors, The Moon Race, The Tenth Planet, Silver Nemesis, The Wheel in Space. Mm. Where would you have put it? Completely disagree. I would have put Attack of the Cybermen probably third from bottom. <clears throat> really? So mm. uh, switched it over with the Tenth Planet. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think, I think well, it's, it's a like... sorry story, mm. and uh, I, I don't want to stick the knife into to Colin so early on in, in his run, but he just hasn't got a handle on the Doctor at this point. The, the performance is all over the place. I have mm. a great issue with the violence and the way he handles a lot of the scenes, and I think it's probably because he hasn't been directed. 
I don't disagree with that, but I think I fall between stools because I defend putting the tenth planet relatively low. I think Charlie summed it up brilliantly when he was talking about the tenth planet and did the impression of the Cybermen. We are the Cybermen, and this is what we're about, and this is what we're doing, and we're going to stand here in this same room, in this same position, for three episodes and tell you what we're all about. Uh, not a lot happening. Um, Whereas Attack of the Cybermen, it's, it's quite, there's a lot going on. Yes. And yes. Matthew Robinson is a good action director, I think. Yeah. And I think the action sequences are really good. Like I said earlier, the reveal of the Cybermen is terrific. Yeah. Even, if, even if, hypothetically speaking, nothing else about the story worked particularly well, yeah. that reveal is a classic moment. Okay. Which is, the, I agree. The, brings the hairs on I the agree. neck standing up. Um, so I really like that. And I. I'm a big fan of Morris Colburn, as I think you know anyway, so a joy for me to watch Morris Colburn in Doctor Who Mm. again. Mm. Um, Brian Glover, great actor. So there there are bits in it that I really like. Mm. I have the same problem with the central performance of the Doctor as as you do, Sam. And I see where you're coming from, Charlie, with the the graphic violence, and I do remember it troubled me as a six-year-old watching it. Mm. Um, So I I I fall between stools. That's why I love the whole season because mm. it was it was kick-ass. It had yeah. bollocks. Yeah, yeah. And, and Colin had bollocks. Colin had had a, a lot of front. <laughs> the plot's rubbish, though, isn't it? I mean, it is. Yes, it's, it's guff. It's, it's poppycock. Yeah. Mm. It's guff, and I have a bit of confusion even now when I watch. I don't know where the Cybermen are. Sometimes they're in yeah, the sewers. So sometimes they're yeah. on Talos. Mm. It's not clear. And the Doctor's not driving the story. No, the Doctor's not driving yeah, the plot that's at all. No question, but that's no. Mm. That's Eric's problem. Mm. And there just doesn't seem to be many Cybermen. I think the threat in Earthshock is, you think we've got problems with these five outside the door. Mm. We've got a silo of how many thousands in the hold. That's a moment that we think, God, we're sitting on a bomb. Yeah. It's more claustrophobic, I think, in Earthshock. Yeah, and I think that's why they work best. You know, Mm. I think the moon base, you rate it quite lowly low on your list. I know it's got a lot of problems, but one thing it has going for it are those moments where there's claustrophobia and dark Mm. lighting and this Cybermen Mm. creeping around. And that's when they work best, Mm. uh, with the potential of an invasion force of thousands about to hit you, which is all the best stories are, there's a big invasion force on the way, Mm. so don't worry about these ten. Yeah. This is, I need to yeah. step in and stop this. Whereas it just seems to be loads of Cybermen prattling around in different locations, looking into control consoles and occasionally bullying humans. It's the set pieces. Yeah. Lytton being tortured and the cyber reveal. And the music. The music. It's Malcolm Clark again, isn't yeah. it? And, yeah. It is. Yeah. With, with some interesting influences in the music. There's Tepesh Mode in an album out at the time. I think it was called Dark Something or other. I cannot remember. I've got it over there. Tepesh Mode ripped off. Malcolm Clark. Same year mm. that album came out. There's the opening tune, uh, which is with uh, Joe Payne and the other guy in the car, and it's like. <laughs> that number yeah yeah and the opening number of Depeche Mode's album is the same (laughs) phrase same sample let's have a listen to that now sometimes I don't blame them for wanting 
I defy you. Uncanny. Uncanny. I can't believe it. I can't believe I've never noticed that before. Shameful. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Absolutely. Malcolm Clark, if you're listening, get in touch. Get yourself a lawyer. We know one. Legal beagle. I'm available. You'd have to pay for it, though. Oh, yeah. You'd have to pay for it. Well, perhaps segueing into the next story. The thing about this, which it has against or has above Silver Nemesis, is mm. that it's about the Cybermen. They are stories, mm. no matter how confusing... Much it, more so than the it five is doctors. about yeah. the Cybermen. Yeah. This, however, Silver Nemesis, mm. they are, like the five doctors, just an afterthought. They're just yeah. they're this window dressing. Mm-hmm. The story isn't about them. Yeah. So that is the reason why I think this is far better and, uh, it's better for the cyber followed. brand. Yes, absolutely. It's a Cyberman story called Attack of the Cybermen. Yes. Um, what would you give Attack of the Cybermen uh, out of five? Mm. Because of the fact that it's a very confused plot, um, I mark it down, but I enjoyed it at the time very much. Mm. Um, so I'll give it three and a half. I, I think there's some great set pieces, and like I say, I'm very keen on Maurice Colburn and... Uh, there are some I'd, I'd give it three I think it's fairly solid I don't think it's a remarkable story but I would give it three I don't think it's I don't think it's terrible good man there are problems with it mm-hmm. I'd give it three oh, right okay. I, I just have issues I, I like Cybermen stories I'd always mm. choose to watch a Cybermen story over something like I don't know Twin Dilemma or something like that yeah. it's just nice to see them moving around it's mm. just such a it feels like a real oh. gear change mm. in the wrong direction after Earthshock and you can forgive five doctors because they're not integral to the story. But, but after Earthshock, going to attack the Cyber thing, okay, more of the same. Mm. Like, uh, you're not going in from Earthshock, you're going in from the twin dilemma. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. So, you know, it's all relative. Is it a, is it a twist up from twin dilemma? Oh, it's undoubtedly. But it's certainly what a turn down from, mm. from Earthshock. And you think, oh, we started so well. Mm. We wanted more of the same. And I just felt they were treated slightly cheaply mm. and with less. This is a serious approach in this. You see the way even the cyber, uh, the generic Cybermen drones are walking around. They're not as well choreographed or directed, and that I have issue with. David Banks is brilliant in it, but David Banks doesn't have much to do in this. Well, we sort of take it for granted that, I mean, he nailed the cyber leader so well, didn't he, in Earthshock, mm. that... Um, because we've not really talked about his performance in this, but yeah, because it doesn't have much to do. That's well, right, no. Mm. But he does what he does extremely well. There should be more of him. Mm. Yeah, it's... If only there was more, and if only the cyber leader had taken on the cyber controller bits. Yeah. I don't think he even gets a close-up when he's killed. I think there's it's one shot, and he dies to the left of frame, mm. and falls out of shot, and then it's all on the cyber controller lumbering around. It's mm. terribly clumsy. With his pissing arms. Oh! everywhere. Oh, it's all Colin lumbering around. <laughs> They're both lumbering around. It's so clumsy, and it looks like they didn't rehearse it. It's just like, this is mm. not good. This is not the big ending that we had in Earthshock. Yeah. I mean, no style. You could possibly criticise the director, but what else could Matt Robinson have done to make that better. Do you know, again, I always go back to this, bring the lights down, do something with it, have yeah. a strobe light on it, yeah. have it flashing, mm-hmm. have have them up against the corner and somebody else rescue the doctor at the last minute because it looks like the controller's going to strangle him. But there's just like, there's no chance the cyber controller's going to even get near Colin because he's so fat and slow. <laughs> and one really clunky bit in it though, isn't it? <sighs> one of many. Matt Robinson, <laughs> Rob, Matt Robinson, I think, generally makes it look right. pretty and makes it look like there's money 
behind it. He tries I hard. I think the production values are pretty good for that era. I agree, I agree. It doesn't look cheap to me. No, it doesn't to me either. I, I think they've done a decent job of mm. making it look slick, but I think Matt Robinson's working off a fairly duff script. Mm. Well, it would be three years till we saw the Cybermen again. Before that, we've an anniversary to celebrate. Exactly 25 years since the first episode of Doctor Who was shown, we begin a new three-part adventure starring Sylvester McCoy, Silver Nemesis. Right at the end. Oh, who's run, wasn't it? Here we go, Charlie on his playoffs. All right. <sighs> <sighs> so the, the, the anti-McCoy agenda starts. Just here. press fast forward and let's go to the pub. <laughs> I'll give you a brief appraisal of the plot. Mm. Have you seen *Remembrance of the Daleks*? Yes, it's that. But right. <laughs> with Cybermen. Ah, okay. So they switch out the Daleks. Yeah, and, and, and pop in and reduce it by one episode. So instead Ooh. of instead of like the Hand of Omega being the thing returning from Gallifrey, which has some mm. kind of intelligence and superpower, mm. there's the Silver Nemesis, which is mm. a, a type of metal that's been fashioned into a statue yeah. when it fell in the garden of Lady Painfort in I think it's the 16th century. Mm. I think it may have been. Mm. And Time of Shakespeare. And it's it's. Mass is critical for it to function, and so there's, it's a statue of her with an arrow and a bow, and throughout the, the last 300 years, the arrow and the bow have been separated from the statue, and the statue has been orbiting Earth or something like that, and it's fallen back to Earth in the 80s, and the Nazi party has the bow, and Lady Penfort in the 16th century has the arrow, and they're all converging at the same time as Doctor Who has been alerted that Earth is about to come to imminent destruction mm. and the Cybermen want the Nemesis as well to be a powerful weapon against whatever they want to do. I think that's a fair approximation of what's going on. And Bravo. who's Doctor Who in it? One of the best Doctors, Sylvester McCoy. Oh, Sylvester McCoy. I like oh. And uh, this was the 25th anniversary special. Oh, yeah, the, the silver anniversary. Yeah, mm. hence mm. the name. Mm. So, um, what do we make of this? Um... I I, uh, I I had a McCoy evening more recently and I decided to watch McCoys that I was indifferent in. And I, I, I think when we previously very quickly skirted over Silver Nemesis, when we yeah. previously mentioned it in, uh, in another podcast, Charlie's just looking very apologetic Sorry, for the sound effect of uh, pouring beer. No, it's, it, it's you, beer. Can, you can pour more than that. Yeah, it, like the that. rest is yours. I'm yeah. sipping it in my heart. <laughs> But no, it's, it's de rigueur to be pouring beer on, on here. We like the sound effects of the and the... Yeah, there we go. Perfect. Happy now. Well, cheers. Happiness will prevail. There we go. Ice hot. Well, so I, I, had, a, I had a McCoy kick, and I thought, I'll watch the, the two McCoys that I'm a little bit indifferent about, or the most indifferent about, that's not season 24. Mm. Uh, which is Silver Nemesis and Battlefield. Mm, yeah. And I watched Silver Nemesis first, and I, because we talked about it in the previous one, and I had kind of very dismissively went, oh, two out of five, two out of five. And I looked at it, and um, I, it was much, much better than I thought it 
I've remembered it mm. being. Mm. And I rewatched Battlefield, thinking, oh, maybe lightning will strike twice. And it was much, much worse than I remembered it being. Yes. Um, and I really, really liked it. And the, the thing I think that with Silver Nemesis that disappoints me a little is that showdown set piece that ought to be if only they'd got Sergio Leone to, 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 to direct it or something, but where the, the Nazis and the Cybermen are facing off against one another and there's that big battle out by that old warehouse that's since been demolished and they've built the Millennium Tent there. Mm. Um, that's a bit of a damp squib. It's really flatly directed and that's Chris Clough's fault. Yes. I don't think it's Chris Clough's at all. Mm. If, when you bear in mind that that action sequence was probably shot on the same budget as a reconstruction from a scene from 999, yeah. put it into context, oh, sure. it's actually made a miracle. He's made a, basically a small 90-minute movie on a budget which was getting smaller and smaller every year because I, Doctor Who's budget was not increased for inflation I liked, since 1979. I like Chris Clough. £22,000. I've defended him before on the podcast. We'd it sounds it. exactly like Tom Bailey. It sounds part, so much part like of the reason we like him. But if you enjoyed listening to that twaddle... So I don't love him. But, <laughs> oh, Tom or, or Chris Clough. Come on. <laughs> I think Chris Clough's a hack. Yeah. Matt Robinson would have been better yeah. directing this because yeah. he was an action... Uh, or, you know, uh, um, I know he was gone from the show by then, but Peter Grimwade, or some, someone who had a yen for directing mm. action. Alan Waring. Most of, Alan Waring. Everybody, yeah. Yeah, um, Morgan. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Morgan. Andrew Morgan, Morgan yeah. It would have done well. You, you don't, it's not particularly well shot or cut together. You've got David Banks, who says... Destroy them. Or destroy them at once. once. I think he has one of those lines, doesn't mm. he? Uh, and he looks like he's stood in the middle of a car park. It's shot kind of from because a Because he, he is. <laughs> <laughs> and he's kind of like slightly like, mm. who's he talking to? Uh, yeah. well, how far away are they from each other? You don't really get a sense of distance. And I think mm. it's because they shot all of the Cybermen stuff in one go and then shot all of the, the Nazi stuff in one go and then mm. cut it together. Yeah, but it you shows. never get a shot of them, actually a deep shot yeah. of where they are between each no, other. It should have been hand-to-hand. -hand. Yes, it's, it's not. Yeah. It's never hand-to-hand. -hand. No. 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 There's people firing guns on, and then Cybermen firing guns. and Left to right, right yeah. to left. And stage people yeah. sort of diving onto mattresses and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't convince, and, it and they just sparkle. Mm. It just looks cheap. My experience is, is exactly the same as yours, Greg. That mm. First time around, I thought it was crap. I watched it again recently, and I thought, yeah, it's not as bad as I thought it was. Mm. Um, Battlefield will always be it. It's terrible. Yeah, battlefield. So this, yeah, this has gone up in my estimation over the years. Right. Uh, for many years, in my mind, it was. You know, how how often had you? Did you get the VHS, I, for example? No, I didn't do that. Mm. I didn't get the longer. So you um, would have watched it in longer version. Yes, I watched it on transmission, mm. eighty-eight, and I watched it again just recently. For, for right. The first time in, <clears throat> in how many years? Gosh, almost thirty years. Yes. So it, the memory does kind of like cheat. Mm. You do sort of get this idea, this kind of. Um, uh, prejudice, if you like, in your mm. mind that something is crap, and therefore isn't worth revisiting. And I did do it, and I'm quite pleased that I did because mm. I could enjoy Sylvester's performance. It's mm. far, yeah, right. far more relaxed, far, far. It's far more comfortable with the role than the previous season, which was, mm. was awful. Mm. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's a completely different approach to the part, which is is, is far more successful as well. Yes, uh, but as I said to Sam before, like, like the Five Doctors, it's an anniversary special, therefore it's like just bits and pieces of this, that, the other, and a loose kind of plot to try and tie it all, all up together, which doesn't mm. work. And for me, that's the reason why I don't like it. But again, like you, it's that kind of skirmish that mm. is so poorly directed and so badly locked 
and doesn't work at all. It's only and a couple of minutes, though, is in, it, in episode two. It's hard, yeah, longer than that. You focus in on that, but it is a kind of a moment that's that, that they just don't get quite right. But when I when I rewatched it, I realised how how very little screen time that does take yeah, up, and there are it's a low point. Lots of things that they do get right, oh, and there are some fantastic characters in it. You know, we've started about things that okay, they misfire, but then there are some lovely bits in it. And you know, can I just point out? You know, I'm not particularly a fan of um, uh, totally unnecessary or gratuitous cameos, but I have no objection whatsoever to uh, Courtney Pine no. appearing in episode one. Because um, it's the, the sort of the jazz motif would follow the Seventh Doctor yeah. through into the New Adventures novels yeah. as well, and yeah. this kind of Doctor Who as a, as a, a, a jazz musician, and um, how jazz music and uh, quantum mechanics are all always kind of interlinked as well in a strange sort of way. I'm not yeah. saying that Einstein uh, uh, inspired Miles Davis or the other way around, but there is generally regarded as, as, as that that link. I'm not a particular fan of jazz music, but I thought it served the story, and that's why it's not gratuitous. There's a nice bit of counterculture there, which you can imagine the Seventh Doctor will be down with. It didn't mm -hmm. serve the story at all. Oh, no, it's a wonderful there was no, opening. There was, no point, oh. there was no point to it at all. It was he so later nice. jams the cyber frequency with jazz music the and cassette, specifically jazz cassette. music because because the <laughs> with a, a raster blaster the, yeah the, <laughs> because the because the, the cybermen are, are emotionless and wouldn't understand jazz music which is not um of a perfect form it takes a leap of the imagination to i'm sorry get well, jazz it's music. laughable it's Oh, it's laughable. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> it's actually all he needed to be on. I think you're going a bit too deep with that, Greg. They needed something to play to jam the signal. And, yes. And he just said, do you have that tape? And they end up playing jazz. Yes. And that's it's just anything to jam the signal, but it ends up being jazz. And it's, there's a nice moment where it cuts to the side, man, just like, what is this? Racket. It's more appropriate, than <laughs> and that's quite funny. <laughs> that is a, that's a good joke because they wouldn't know what all that noise was. Yeah, they wouldn't understand it. Yeah. If it like you say, it has no theme, form. If it was the theme tune to say "Are you being served?" <laughs> then um, <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't serve the plot quite as well as all the theme tune from "Sorry." Yeah. <laughs> that would fit very nice. <laughs> or "Home to Roost." Wow. Cyberman communicating. I don't like Cybermen. You should see the ones they're communicating with. Reinforcements? Yes. But if we could only jam their signal. Have you got a tape? Yeah. You mean this thing transmits? Of course it does. I built it. Interference. Origin unknown. Open the monitor channel. I think a, a good one would have been actually keep it in the family. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Ties David Banks back in, doesn't yes, it? Yes, he was in that. He, he was, was famously as, as, as the boyfriend. 
Yes. Was it called the flea trap, the mouse trap? What was it called? Oh, I can't remember the episode name, but he's, he's playing the boyfriend of one of the daughters. Yeah. And uh, Robert Gillespie's not quite sure about that. <laughs> in fact, I, th- I think he sort of thinks it wonders if David Banks' character in it might be a homosexual as well. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's quite funny. It's of its very, very funny. It's of its time. It is, but you know what? Things were funnier then. It, things were funnier when you were allowed to... Yeah. Mm. You didn't have to censor yourself. Mm. But you have issue, don't you, Charlie, with the fact, all the McCoy, that we've moved away from film uh, to wholesale videotape. Well, actually, it's outside broadcast for location and the usual studio for uh, studio videotape, which is all we've had in Doctor Who. There's no change then. Why does it really jar with you that you're now shooting on videotape on location? It it looks so so cheaper than it should do, Mm -hmm. it has in the past. And for, for me... You know that was a massive leap, mm. sort of like like Revelation, mm. you know, the, the, the the film stuff there, or even the Two Doctors. You know, compare that to this. It's like it's like a um, a wedding video. You know, it's like a sort of home movies compared to, to what it has been or was the previous mm. year or two. I would say it looks fresh as a daisy. It's like Robot was all filmed on the Sontar and Experiment, and they look very fresh. And they look like they could have been filmed. Seeds yesterday. of Doom. Would you would you put the same feeling about robot, say, or the Sontaran experiment. Sontaran. Mm. Um, no, no, I don't think I probably, I don't think I would, because we've got Tom, and Tom covers all up all the cracks. You know, Tom mm. will paper up everything, because it's Tom, and because mm. it's Hinchcliffe, and because it's Robert Helms or whatever. Mm. But here, when the budget is, as you say, quite rightly, Sam, is, is Tuppence Hayden. Tiny, tiny budget by the McCoy. But the video, the video kind of approach, you know, is very revealing. But also at the same time, by that point, and this is where the way BBC was going, and this is now how everything was shot, they were doing that. If you look at all the sitcoms and all the other shows that the BBC were making in-house, they were all videotaped by mm. then. But unless it was a filmed series, which would be consistently on film, mm. it's going to be a videotaped show. And what I, I do take your point, I love to see Doctor Who on the film. Five Doctor sequences, lovely, all that kind of stuff. Mm. But when you get to a point where you have no money, you have a choice between shooting less location but on film or more location like Silver Nemesis is wholly on location on videotape mm-hmm. it's a very consistent style all the way through you don't have that jarring effect of a bit of film then a bit of studio work and what I do like about Silver Nemesis is it's all shot on location and it's very well lit you look at those scenes in mm-hmm. Lady Painfort's parlour this yeah. beautiful candlelight scene. Yeah, that's right. And I was used to seeing everything like that when I was growing up. It was around about, I think, literally the same time Silver Nemesis was out. Mm. Um, Chronicles of Narnia was being. Oh, made. yes. And that one, I think, a BAFTA for videotape lighting. It was an acknowledged skill to actually bring a videotape show, especially outside broadcast content, to screen as drama and make it look as good. Mm. And I think they did a really good job with this. And you look at some of the sequences, it's knitted together so cleanly, like you say, Greg, it's fresh as a daisy. It never looks inconsistently approached. And I know that the, the battle sequence is a little bit sloppy. But you look at some of the scenes where they're walking through Arundel, which is actually supposed to be doubling up as Windsor, it's completely convincing. Oh, yes. mm. You feel you're there. Where Harry and Meghan recently got married. Yes, yeah, who are they, sorry? Oh, the, the members of the royal family, subsidiary members. I heard that one won the X Factor and got to marry him. That's right, yes. That right? yes. You won a competition. <laughs> yes. Blind date. <laughs> and here is your host, <laughs> Mr. Stella Black. Black. <laughs> we got a lot of laughs. Yeah. I'll buy a new hat. <laughs> Back 
to our grain with a quick reminder. That's what she said, wasn't it? Was That's it? very good. <laughs> surprise, surprise. You remember it well. Yes, anyway, now and she is. She's dead now. But you mentioned walking around. I mean, that's that seems to me to be part of the of the plot. Is just wandering about. I like that. That's one. That's what they would have done. Around. They'd have to run everywhere, you know. It, it, and there's some wonderful moments. There's a. I've got a little note here. A moment of silence on the log, and it's where. <laughs> yes. Not on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Where you've got uh, Sylvester sat on a log and Sophie mm. just tinkering with a with a hi-fi, and that's what would have happened in reality. She's a teenager and she's playing around with music, and doctors are sat there meditating, and it's just silence. But why it's are they on the log? But why are they on the log? Somewhere to perch. They run down that bridge. There's some gunfire, and they sort of stop, and they fall in the river. Why? No, the, the log doesn't follow that. The log follows much later. Well, they get out of the they get out, they get out of the, the river water, and they get in the tide. They go on the log, don't they? No. So where's the log? The log is like episode two into episode three. All oh, right. When they're trying it's to figure out, isn't it? They're shrouded. They're shrouded. They shroud and you get that little that little chameleon sort of thing, chameleon like creeping from oh, under okay. the leaf. And I thought this is really lovely, Doctor Who. Yeah, it's it's it's, mm. it's it's Sylvester playing it quiet as we like Charlie. We yes. like quiet Sylvester. Yes, we he do. Plays it down. It's so simple. They're shrouded. What? Shrouded. They don't show up. But we must try and force them into revealing themselves. Trouble. Please. Please let me be right. Anyone listening? Balance. Cyber warships. Thousands of them. They were invisible. They've been there for hours, mm. and he's been pondering on this, the mm. Doctor. Although, in David Banks' um, book and in the archive tapes, he quite cheekily suggests that all the cyber ships that are revealed in that, uh, in that uh, cliffhanger mm. might be the Cybermen... Um, Sort of tinkering around uh, with a, a sort of holographic images, and that, that there are not as many cyber ships as are suggested. Ah, that's which interesting. Is an interesting mm. idea. Right. I hope I'm not misquoting. Okay, yeah, that's good. Mm. So, I, I thought that was a lovely moment, um, and I, I do like the fact it's all on location. I keep saying this; it's great. It's nice to see the side men out and about, and, and everything. <laughs> what do you think of that? Because you criticised how they looked in um, Attack. I think they look really shiny and good in this, and there's there's sort of almost like a rose. Gold kind of tint to them. Well, there's an accident there. Oh, really? I know the answer to this. Oh, really? Go on. Um, I remember talking to one of the effects designers that worked on Silver Nemesis years ago at a convention, mm. and they were um, they were revisited because the costumes were really tatty uh, by the time that they got to look what's in the, in the store, um, and they only used one attack Cybermen to literally drop from the gantry. To explode, and you can kind of tell it's one of the yeah. the ones that good riddance go <laughs> explode. That the, uh, I think Richard Gregory was the costume designer on this, and they uh, they took the moulds they, and they changed they changed them slightly. They got the helmet is slightly different actually in structure, slightly different, mm. but the breastplate's 
had got bits chopped off and it's shorter and it's smaller. Yeah. And they sent them away to be chromed. Yeah, so they have, they've been chromed. So all the stuff that you, you know, you'd normally get chromed on a car, they mm. actually got these professionally chromed. So that's why they, they are, really are metal. There's a metal layer on them. It looks, why they look you so can tell it looks good. But the chrome, the, they then lacquered the chrome to uh-huh. protect it so it wouldn't get scratched. And right. the lacquer reacted with the chrome and started to turn of all things golden. It's kind of like a rose gold, isn't but it? Now, if, you've got, if you see an original Silver Nemesis helmet, it's brass. Yeah. Really? Because it's, it's carried on reacting. It's carried on reacting. Oh, wow. That's, that's fascinating. Yes. So it's ironic, but that's God. So they, they got blinged and they backfired. Yay! But yeah, I, they, I think they actually yeah. have some weight. They actually mm. look like they're solid metal. They do. And yeah. I, th- I like the shininess because they're not matte anymore, are they? And, and I, think, I think maybe because it's. They've, they've got them outdoors, a bit of fresh air. But it, it, <laughs> it, you know, the sunshine on them. And it was a beautiful summer, wasn't it? 1988. Yeah. Beautiful it's summer. Hot. Even though it's supposed to be November. Yeah. yeah. Well, two words for you cricket gloves. Mm. Oh, yes, they are wearing that's, cricket gloves. That's a problem for me. Mm. Well, David Banks loved them, though, didn't he? The suits for Silver Nemesis are entirely new. David Banks, back for his fourth stint as cyber leader, describes some of the improvements. Well, um,. I suppose this uh, is the main thing, that uh, we've got hugely uh, enlarged digits here, fingers, uh, so we can crush things better. Um, but also, the, the suit is a slightly different colour. I think it gives the impression of, of being much more solid, being a very uh, flexible, though um, durable metal. Um, and we've also, I don't know if you can see down here, very interesting thing. Um, Black tie shoes. Yeah. Doc Martens, we call them over here. And uh, this is a great improvement. I can't, I can't uh, fully describe how great an improvement it is, but uh, I'll just uh, say that a couple of uh, adventures ago, all the Cybermen were having to walk around with plastic bags on their feet because uh, the shoes that they had didn't keep the water out. So this is a splendid advancement, or should I say excellent. I never That's noticed where they come from. Yeah, well, I, I never noticed that at the time. No, I didn't particularly. Because I got two fingers stuck together. I didn't notice mm. that, because I don't play cricket. No, so I don't. I just thought they were really bulky gloves. Mm. No. Um, and also they wore Doc Martens in this. Ah, did they? The Is costume the was Martins very well cut, right. so that the costume wrapped around the well, shoes. Well, well, those of us who were of school age at the time. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was at school. <laughs> There were lots of lovely things going on. You've got the the Nazis. Oh, fascinating. You've got Lady Painforge. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, all, all these pieces moving around, and then they all come together in episode three for that big showdown in the um, yeah. in the warehouse. Yes. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because we made this point in a, a more recent podcast about um, talking about the Cybermen and the homogeneity, and that everybody has to think the same, and everybody is the same. There's no disagreement. Mm. The perfect socialists mm, yeah. it's the yeah. ultimate socialist race versus here they are facing off with the Nazis yes. yeah. you know the two most evil ideologies of the 20th century facing yeah. off against one another yeah and they, they're not compatible no they're both trying to hoodwink the other yes, but we've had men and women in, in attack mm. we've now got that's right Nazis, communists yeah yeah I just so love the, the way political rather than gender difference yeah. the Nazis go you've heard of it's um, it's De Flores isn't he says it you've heard of the supermen Mm. And the giants together, mm. we can rule. And David Banks just turns and goes, 
No. You either with us, mm. you are, you become a Cyberman. Yeah. And he tried. They tried to do. It. They tried to convert him, and it's not quite successful, is it? Mm. They tried to kill De Flores by converting him, or nothing. There's no bargaining. Yeah. So the Nazis think, well, we can win you over, and the communists are like, not a chance. You either become a communist. Why? Why was what? he called De Flores? Because that's not a very Germanic name. My understanding was he'd escaped to. Brazil ah, and changed his Brazilian name in South America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's my, like most Nazis did. Oh, they did. well, like Marathon Man, which yeah, is a good yeah. movie, isn't it? About uh, Lawrence Olivier. Martin Gordon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about Lady Painford and Richard, who yes. are just you know, wonderful. Yeah. The late actors. Gerard Murphy. It's very sad. Mm. Very good. It's very good in this. He will be forever the airline pilot in that episode of Father Ted for me. He <laughs> <laughs> will be the, the guy from uh, Waterworld. For yeah, yeah, he's in yeah, Waterworld. Yeah, like he's Kevin yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. really good. Um, he's terrific in this as well. I really like this. He is good. As is Fio- Fiona um, Walker. Oh, and she's and a terrific actor. I mean, that goes without saying. And what a wonderful role to be given. You're going to play a psychopathic Jacobean bitch, and then you're going to lose your mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. she plays it perfectly because it's funny. You believe her though? Oh, absolutely. She sells it. Uh, I've got some of the lines written She's down here, which I thought were delicious. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> um, she, there's a bit where Richard goes, "My lady." Of course, I heard it. Am I deaf? It sounds like a bear, but worse. See, we're near the nemesis. Come, the bear will not pursue us. Such things happen only in the theatre. You know what that's a reference to? <laughs> Richard's <Yeah>. tale. <laughs> Exit Antinous, yeah. shoot by a bear. And, uh, and there's Richard going, Am I mad? And she goes, This is not madness, tis England. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these are wonderful lines. What was the one that really had me howling? It said, Would you be turned to rats? Are you looking at me? Stand aside. What are you, social workers? Out of my lady's way. We want to tell you our problem. Will you be turned into rats? We already have been. <laughs> Poor ones. Who <laughs> 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 that the social the social the, skinheads. The, yeah, the skinheads. And the, all right, social... Who did this? Social workers. And I just... Uh, what's really, there's so much comedy in this script. Yeah. That it's not on the nose. It's just beautifully written. And they give David Banks a comedy line. Ah. And he delivers it with perfect timing. Which is she... Is mad. Speak <laughs> not of my lady's soul. So you could just imagine the Simon going, I can't be putting up with this woman. <laughs> Crazy bitch. Uh, just uh, wonderful, wonderful. I think even they throw in Dolores Gray. Uh, <laughs> there's oh, all these things again. we don't really have they time They surely for. do. <laughs> they surely do, honey. But it's wonderful. Even Dolores Gray's scene is, is fucking hilarious. You know, it's like, it's funny, yeah. I've been invest- investigating my family tree. Yeah. And she goes, uh, yes, there was a Dorothea. Yes, yes, yes. Dorothea. Debride my cook. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, the direct. She died in 1654. It was a slow poison. <laughs> <laughs> it's it God, you can't it's not good. love it. You can't not love it. <laughs> that I mean. is funny, and that and I remember that at the time as being really entertaining. But what really terrified me as a six-year-old was the scary silver statue, mm. which probably now is nowhere near mm. terrifying. But they did a very good job in the day of making her kind of glow, reflective, reflective, mm. literally a reflective substance, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. It shocking. did look metallic. And her screaming and moving and gliding around. I had nightmares about oh, the, really? the statue. Potentially very creepy. So mm. I just, there's, there's so much to recommend for Silver Nemesis. It's not actually a very good Sideman story. I buy that. Mm. They have been kind of thrown in. 
But it's a good romp. and It's full of ideas. It's full of ideas and good set pieces, apart from the action sequence. Uh, Anton Differing is a bit wasted as well. <laughs> in, in, in every respect. Yeah. <laughs> oh. He's dying, bless him. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have long, did he? No, I think he died the following year, didn't he? 1989, was it? And he only agreed to do it because uh, he could watch Wimbledon. Bless him. Never seen Doctor Who before. That's nice. Never seen Doctor Who before. And also, it's nice to have a Doctor Who story which actually, for once, deals with time travel. Yes. The Doctor actually travels forwards and backwards in time. You don't see that very often in one story. And other characters are travelling backwards and forwards in time. So it's right. lots of things converging at once. And I think Doctor Who very rarely did that. You know, you often get the one story he arrives and then he departs. And the TARDIS is just a mechanism for moving from one big yes. story arc yeah. to another. Yeah. Where in this yeah. one, he, there's a lot of movement. Mm. And there's lots to enjoy. And I think, I know it's cheap, Charlie, and I know... It's Doctor Who in its most less cared-for state. Yeah. But I think, c- considering the conditions and the limitations they're up against, it's mm. bloody amazing it even got made at this mm. point. My f- why I slightly prefer it to Attack is when you look at Attack, it feels a bit staid, it feels a bit stale. Particularly the studio scenes. Yeah, whereas when mm. you watch Silver Nemesis, it still feels quite fresh, and it still feels quite inventive and imaginative, and lots of things going on, and it doesn't quite cohere. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a curate's egg. Mm. I find it easier to watch Sylvester and I find it more fun and amusing and witty and fresh mm. than Attack. That's fair comment. But um, that's the distinction I would draw. Well, that's it, the one that swings it. It is all down to taste. It is. It I'm is. afraid. Mm. And, and, and something with a bit more heft mm. is more to our taste. But Attack doesn't have any Dolores Grey in it. Or Nicholas Courtney walking away from the camera. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know they were in it. Yeah, no, I did. Years later. Yeah. Isn't Richard Franklin supposed to be in a posse? Somewhere, mm. yeah. Walking. The crowd. Mm. A few other celebrities walking around. Did That's you get Bill Hartnell back for it? Yeah, he's... Well, they asked him. Really? He wasn't available. Ah. Too busy being dead. Ah, yeah. too busy. Yeah, decomposing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what? How many, how many cyber helmets out of five for Silver Nemesis? One. No! Well, one and a half. Will you be turned into rats? That's ridiculous. <laughs> Shame. I don't, Shame! I don't think we've ever had a, a, such a low grade on the menagerie. Really? Mm, Michael grade. Yeah. I'm going to give you a four. I, I have a, uh, a round out with this vague, slight anecdote, but I used to work in um, unhappily in an office job in Canary Wharf, um, or very near Canary Wharf, on the 14th floor of an office block. But... If I took a stroll across the office and looked out of the window, I could see the Millennium Tent and the whole of that peninsula, which is where they filmed Silver mm. Nemesis. So at times of being greatly stressed... It warmed your heart. I could walk away from my desk, wander over there, and think, that's where they filmed Doctor oh, Who. That's, nice. that's where Gary said, let's make magic <laughs> that famous time. That's literally the scene that they filmed that you hate so much. Well, it's the action sequence. Didn't all, make magic. All, all, of, all of it around there. The warehouse, which is long since gone. Yeah. It's now the David Beckham Centre for sport or whatever, and also the Millennium Tent. All of that around there well, has been completely redeveloped. That warehouse was used an awful lot um, in sort of the stuff that we love, like the ATC stuff, like Avengers and the professionals. Yeah. Any scene involving a big warehouse with grass on the, on the ground is that warehouse. Yeah. Really. It was used an awful lot. Mm. And then, as you say, just after this was, was made, it was pulled down. Yeah, so the whole Docklands area. So that massive is iconic. Yeah. It's a great location. Oh, it is. Yeah. So I'm um, in retrospect, I 
I like it slightly more than attack, so I'd have to give it 3.5 out of 5. 1.5, Charlie. Do you want to change your I'll view? I'll stretch to 2. Hey. But no further than that. That's my <laughs> limit. You ask too much. <laughs> she knows too much. <laughs> well, oh, well, that was fun. So for Charlie. Charlie. In summary, life's too short. <laughs> oh, for Charlie, it's, mm. it's actually it's diminishing returns for Cybermoon stories mm. throughout the 80s. Yeah. Whereas for me, I'm slightly more optimistic. It, it, it dipped slightly for attack, but then picked up in Silver Nemesis. Hmm. I, I see it more like um, Daniel Craig as Bond. You know, he he came into it with Casino Royale, which, for my money, is the best Bond movie ever made. I think it's pretty close to art, and it's true to Fleming. And Daniel Craig hits the ground running. He's fantastic. He owns it, and he brings something new whilst being true. And after that, it's sort of diminishing returns, but the only way is down from where you started because yeah. you've started with perfection yeah, so yeah, yeah. where else are you going to go you can't get better than 10 out of 10 agreed, agreed. Yeah. so yeah I think inevitably it becomes diminishing returns but that doesn't mean that what follows is bad it just means that it's not as good Orson Welles started with Citizen Kane where do you go from there Yeah. I think we should end on the big note here throwing the 70s aside 80s Cybermen versus 60s Cybermen. In terms of, of design, they're the best. Yeah. 80s, definitive. Yeah. yeah. What about stories? Well, the the 60s, 60s yeah. has the edge, maybe, because it has two. The Invasion and, uh, yeah. and two. I think the stories are better in the 60s, but I think the visual representation of, in Earthshock makes up for it in the yeah. 80s. My top three in my uh, top ten of the Cyber Stories was... Um, Tomb at number one, Earthshock at number two, and the Invasion at number three. That's that's a good summation, I think. Oh, yeah. I'd go with that. I'd agree with you. It goes hand in hand. It's not 60s versus 80s. It's yeah. all part and parcel of piece. the same glorious yeah. legacy. Yeah. And while that may have been the last Cyberman story ever made for Doctor Who... Silver Nemesis. It's far from being all over. Oh, I like what you did there. That's because great. we'll be coming back to the Cybermen when they returned in book four Ooh. in Iceberg. Mm, and uh, David Banks will return in the next exciting episode of Doctor Who and the Complete Menagerie. Almost. enjoyed listening to that twaddle you can follow us on twitter at dw menagerie that's at dw menagerie and we'll be tweeting various photographs of our inside leg measurements and that sort of thing doctor who is copyright of the bbc no infringements on copyright are intended support doctor who by purchasing dvds and cds and all other media from the bbc any comments made by the complete menagerie <laughs> almost are all our own You've been listening to a Sixth Floor production.
Doctor Who 25th Anniversary album has just been released on LP, cassette and compact disc with 21 tracks of music from the series. And the Doctor begins a new adventure, The Greatest Show in the Galaxy, at 7.35 next Wednesday. <laughs>